Your news programme every morning with up-to-the-minute news and extensive analysis of issues from Korea and abroad. This morning with Alex Jensen on TBS EFM. So, 7.38 and the Consumer Electronics Show, widely known as CES, just celebrated its 50th year bringing tech trends and innovations to the world, which seems to be getting now smarter, slimmer and better connected. Held in Las Vegas, it's a phenomenal event. Millions of square feet of exhibition space, attracting over 177,000 attendees, including more media representatives than the Olympics. Let's find out whether the 2017 edition that started last Thursday and wrapped up over the weekend lived up to the hype with Tim Bajarin, President of Creative Strategies in California. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. I'm glad I can be with you. So... I've been perusing already countless lists of the best products showcased at CES 2017. We see these kinds of lists released every year. Can you maybe just give us a, a concise top three? Well, a couple of things. I mean, one of it's related to the trends. Uh, Alexa, the Echo Alexa, which is the home hub from Amazon, fundamentally stole the show. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, that particular product um, was shown to be used in televisions, in um, cars, uh, in other home products. And you'd have to almost say that this was an Alexa AI home IoT type show. It was such a significant presence. Secondly, the big thing that's fascinating about this particular show is that the auto industry decided to be there and use it as a place to show off their smart driving cars and their uh, new autom automotive-based systems. Mm. One particular thing that was interesting is that Corning, the folks, of course, make the Gorilla Glass, they showed a car that basically every surface was glass and it was intelligent. And it was really fascinating to have kind of a visual view of the, of the future. And then the other thing that I think that was really important about this particular show is it had a very strong wearable and you were seeing not only wearables in the traditional sense, but much more in the way of wearables could be used in, in, in health. Um, for example, Omron had a watch that was an actual blood pressure cuff. And yeah. you wore it and could take your blood pressure at any time. I mean, the, the technology is expanding in wearables to well beyond what we were doing with it with just simple, you know, uh, uh, tracking steps. It's... it's um very broad, of course, those three areas, but could all be life-changing for us, uh, especially when we think of this idea of having a personal concierge in a uh, digital form uh, driven by AI that you mentioned with Alexa, uh, but uh, other rivals trying to get in the act, the auto industry, which we can touch on maybe in a moment, and, and wearables. Um, this word smart still gets to attached to everything, though, doesn't it, from, from cars that you mentioned to smart toasters, smart walking canes, smart hairbrushes, smart underwear even. There's no limits, it seems, to what CES throws up. How much of it is actually useful? Well, you know, that's the weird part of the show. Now, as you mentioned, this is my 50th year of CES. I've actually gone to 60 shows because we used to have summer shows in, in Chicago as well. So I've pretty much seen this show uh, up close and personal for a long time. And 
it has evolved so dramatically. When I first started, it was just audio equipment, you know, tel- a little bit of televisions, but mostly um, audio uh, and radios. Today, it's a catch-all for anything digital, anything electric. And, you know, when, when I, I'm, I'm thinking of the show just as it's, it's evolved, you know, now it's a place where you're going to launch televisions. And um, it's a place where you're going to launch the next generation of entertainment. And so we had Hollywood people there. We had auto people there. Yeah, I mean, it was just fascinating because it really has become one of the largest shows in the world in one sense. Yeah. But it's all focused on consumer technology. Of course, when we talk about televisions, Samsung and, and LG, both Korean companies, and major global players. And Samsung Electronics went into the show with some pretty good news, uh, celebrating its uh, expected profit for the fourth quarter, partly backed by its display technology. And did it generally come out of this year's expo well? It did. Uh, Their quantum dot televisions and the next generation of HDR... Uh, they were, of course, a huge presence on the show. They have one of the largest booths in the the entire uh, Las Vegas Convention Center. And, of course, they had all of the other things there, too. They had their smart uh, refrigerators. You know, they had all kind of gadgets. Uh, but I will tell you, the one product that probably stole the show when it comes to television was LG. Mm. They had this uh, television that was just so thin, you, you, you had to, you know, I mean, I walked around two or three times just to try to figure out where the heck was the technology. Yeah. Because it, it was like it was just a part of the wall, and yet, you know, it was an HDR, LG, OLED screen that was so brilliant and so um, clear. You just couldn't, it was like, to be honest with you, we had people standing around, and I heard them say, well, this is like magic. <laughs> so in that sense, LG really, uh, and, and if you look at some of the, re- the, the the feedback from the show, that was considered one of the hot products of the show. Well, that will be a boost for them because they're, unlike Samsung, actually expecting to have made a loss in the fourth quarter. Um, but you also talked about the auto trends and, and how that's becoming more and more important. I, I don't know how, how you feel about it, but when I look at the uh, the latest real innovators in the auto industry, I don't necessarily see the Korean names up there. Well, Hyundai was there. Um, that would have been the only one. And they were showing off uh, some, you know, fundamental uh, prototypal, pr- prototypical ideas of a self-driving car. But you're right. Uh, Korea is not represented there significantly. Uh, now, to be fair, the the, uh, the back-end technology, uh, the NVIDIAs of the world and Intels, you know, they were there showing off hu- huge pieces of the puzzle from the standpoint of NVIDIA, you know, showed the next generation of their chipsets that will serve as fundamentally a, a, a um, the brains of the car. And they cut deals with Audi and BMW and others where the NVIDIA uh, is going to provide the, CPU power to create to to drive you know to drive these next generation products. Yeah, but um, c- certainly but, there's going to have to be an effort to catch up though for, for, at the front end as well. P- presumably, all the major automakers around the world are going to have to change their game plan one after the other. It's it's a case of uh, getting the timing right because of a lot of this isn't quite practical yet. Well, yeah, and in fact, 
that's the other thing to be kind of keeping an eye out. The, the auto companies were all at CES showing fundamentally, and, and, and at the strategic level, the electronics that are going to drive this. Now, this week, the auto industry goes to, to Detroit, where the big uh, world auto show is. And they're going to be focusing more on design, but they're also going to be talking at it in Detroit about the self-driving cars. You know, mm-hmm. one of the things that we've been researching, and really the bigger question is, you know, how real is self-driving cars? And more importantly, when will we even get them to market? And I had a long talk with the folks from Ford there, and I think they're representative of what I believe is, is reality in that um, they're going to continue doing the research and, and, and trying to do as much to get the cars ready for the road. But the, the, the legality and the federal regulations that will allow them to even do it is going to take another four, three to four years at minimum. And then when they launch, they're going to launch them, according to Ford, they believe that the first generation of self-driving cars will be fleets, that they'll, they'll have a whole fleet of cars, and you'll just call, and the car will come and get you before they start selling actual self-driving cars to the public. And... You know, the, the goal they're saying for the fleets are 2020 to 2021, and then probably selling uh, cars to people, uh, maybe 22, 23. Um, a quick uh, note on China as well, because, I mean, th- there's plenty we could say about Korea, but we're out of time. And, and I actually, on that point, just want to mention that there were actually 64 separate Korean booths run by 55 SMEs that have been organized there. So they certainly had a presence. But on the Chinese side, uh, we've seen competitors emerge as a big threat to smartphone manufacturers like LG, but there was a certain contradiction with a with a firm like Xiaomi, which was showcasing products that aren't even available in the U.S. Well, Xiaomi has got very they're they're really convoluted in their strategy because they know that it's going to be very tough for them to try to come into the U.S. Yet they use this show to showcase you know some of what they're doing not only in smartphones but other products. Um, the, the 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 big shift there in China, of course, is that the Chinese manufacturers, Huawei especially, has, has taken the lead position in China and has made it very hard for Samsung especially, and even Apple, to be as competitive as they were even three years ago. But Xiaomi, yeah, has, 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 has been struggling. Uh, they've struggled in China, and it's, it's an oddity the way they are trying to come into the U.S. market with something that won't, can't even you know, be sold here. Thank you so much, Mr. Bajoran. Great to have you on the line with us. Thank you. I'm glad I could join you. And there we had a, a brief overview, really, of millions of square feet of exhibition space. Impossible to cover all that. Uh, if you do have any further points that you want to bring to our attention, though, Texas Powder Shop 1013 for 51 per message. You were listening to Tim Bajoran from Creative Strategies, based in California. Coming up to 7.50, back to the traffic and weather situation with Park Yun-ha. Well, starting off with Olympic Highway Hanum direction, it's heavily congested from Pangwat to Hangang Bridge. Also, an accident has occurred on the third lane between Kayang and Songsan Bridge, causing further delays around this area. Drivers on the opposite direction is barely moving from Cheonho to Yongdong Bridge, and on North Riverside Gangbeun Highway Kuri Bound, it's absolutely jam-packed from Pangwat all the way to Dongjak Bridge. Drivers heading west is dealing with similar conditions from Songsu to Hangang Bridge, while all lanes are wide open from Hangang to Kimpo Bridge. 
Southbound Dongbu Highway is bumper to bumper from Sangye Bridge to Songsu Junction, and on Sobo Highway, also heading south, is heavily congested from Songsan to Shinjung Bridge, as well as on the opposite direction from Gochok to Mukdong Bridge. Lastly, Bukbo Highway Guribound, heavy delays are spotted from Mukdong to Shinne Interchange, and on Gyeongbo Highway Shingarbound from Hannam to Banpo Interchange. Taking a look at the weather now, make sure to dress warm as you head out the door. The mercury has dropped quite a bit since yesterday with the rain from last night. We will continue to receive sporadic shower this morning in Seoul and its surrounding areas, but things will clear up by noon with daytime high topping at 4 degrees Celsius in Seoul, 7 in Gwangju, and 9 down in Yeosu. Similar readings are in store for the rest of the week with the lows dropping 9 degrees below zero by this Wednesday. So let's try to enjoy the last bit of warm conditions while it lasts. Well, that's all for now. Back to you, Alex. Get your local and world news right here on This Morning, 7 to 9, Monday through Friday. Sports nearly 7.52. James Arton's here. It's been a big FA Cup weekend. In fact, in the early hours of this morning, if anyone was up for it, you could check out Tottenham up against Aston Villa and you maybe weren't disappointed if you were hoping Son Heung-min would get on the goal sheet. Yeah, that's right. Tottenham 2, Aston Villa 0. Son Heung-min scoring the second goal 10 minutes from the end. He got a start this morning after being left out in Tottenham's last game. Sissoko passed into the box and Son passed it into the bottom corner from 10 yards out. It's his seventh goal of the season. A quick mention for Manchester United captain Wayne Rooney, now level with Sir Bobby Charlton as the club's all-time leading goalscorer. That's right, his FA Cup strike against Reading took Rooney to 249 goals in 543 games. That's a fantastic record, reaching the landmark 215 matches and four seasons quicker than Bobby Charlton. Yeah. I'm torn in different directions here. Of course, 1966 World Cup triumph for England aside it's very unfair I think uh, on the way Rooney's career is finishing that it seems to be tainting his legacy Uh, because someone like Bobby Charlton is just seen as as an all time legend Uh, Rooney did a lot of his scoring very young and he's got to the point in his career now where people don't seem to know quite what to do with him don't know how to get the best out of him you fear that maybe he'll end up retiring early. Yeah, it's very possible. It is quite a sad ending and that World Cup win for Bobby Charlton has left his legacy sort of longer standing. But Wayne Rooney, what a fantastic player. Yeah, for England and Manchester United and Everton before that. And who knows, maybe there'll be one more club in the uh, CV. Um, KBL, basketball, from yesterday, last year's winners, KCC Aegis, lost to the runners-up from last year, Koyang Orions, and KCC are likely to not even make the playoffs this time around. Yeah, they're having a terrible, terrible year. Goyang 84, KCC 65, that keeps Goyang in third place, just one win off top of the table, Seoul Funders, who lost their first game in five on Saturday against Mobis. Mobis won again yesterday, beating Dongbu 73-66, to and ET Land beat KT 80 to Seoul Funders still top of the table, but Anyang and Goyang are just two points behind in second and third. Fourth place Dongbu are six points behind in fourth. 
KCC are now eight points off the playoffs in eighth place. There's a real chance that last year's winners may not even make the playoffs. Sitting in last place with just six wins from 28 games is KT. Andy Murray. Sir, Sir Andy, Andy Murray. Murray. Uh, still world number one, but beaten in Qatar, the Qatar Open title, by Novak Djokovic. And again, this just sets up just one of the most exciting sporting rivalries for 2017. Very interesting year. Murray remains world number one despite the defeat. The Scots save three match points to come from a set and a breakdown to win the second set and level the match. Both players now head into Melbourne for the Australian Open. This is the big one. The year's first Grand Slam starts on the uh, 16th of January. Well, it's a sign that Murray is beatable. Uh, I think we knew that already, but he'd been on a fantastic run. The thing is, losing to Djokovic psychologically Djokovic has had the upper hand so many times hasn't he that's right well it'll be really interesting to see what happens in Australia and NFL also some fans I'm sure have been up early this morning to uh, to check out the playoff picture yeah yesterday Seattle quarterback Russell Wilson threw for 224 and two touchdowns in a 26-6 victory over the Detroit Lions it was the Seahawks 10th consecutive postseason victory at home earlier in Houston the Texans overpowered Rookie third-choice quarterback Connor Cook to beat the Oakland Raiders 27-14. There's a couple more games. There's one that's just finished a few hours ago. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers are through. They beat Miami Dolphins 30-12. And there's an ongoing game, New York Giants versus Green Bay Backers. It's in the second quarter and Giants are 6-0 up against Green Bay. Um, yep. at Right now. So that'll be the one that I'm seeing on social media. And actually, as I said being showcased on Korean television. We don't see a lot of NFL coverage here. Sure. Uh, thank you very much, James Arthurton. Thank you. That is our sport for today. Stay with us if you fancy checking out some BBC World News in a few moments and also a thousand days since the Sewol Ferry disaster. We'll be hearing from one of the members who've been investigating in a special probe the Sewol disaster. They were forced to end that probe without really a satisfying conclusion. We'll get the latest on that, hopes for the future, and where we stand on a number of unanswered questions.